stand for the reading of God's Word if you're not standing. And I just want to talk to you today about how personal God is. That is, that He's a personal God. You know, one of the ways the enemy attacks us in our mind is he undermines the character of God. He attacks who God is in the theater of our mind, and we don't even know he's doing it. We're just thinking thoughts, and it doesn't occur to us that some of those thoughts were little seed thoughts put there by the enemy to hurt our relationship with God. Now, one of the things he likes to tell us and gets away with it a lot is that God doesn't care about you, that he's too busy hurling more stars into space or focusing on the super saints, the teachers, the preachers, the well-known Christians. But he's not really concerned about little old me. We can say with the psalmist, what is man that you're mindful of him? Are you really thinking about me, God? And so the devil attacks his character like he did with Eve. He came to Eve and said, Eve, you can't trust God. Has God said? Are you sure he said? Are you positive he said, Eve? Because he really can't be trusted. That's the implication in his question. And so today, I don't want any of us leaving here or anybody watching by streaming video. We welcome you today. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to our service in your living room, wherever you might be. Just don't be driving watching. Um. But I want us to leave today knowing that our God is a personal, caring God who, though he's got the whole universe, he's focused on you. He's got the whole universe, but he's focused on you. Now, that's hard to believe, but let's read what Isaiah tells us in two quick verses. Isaiah 43, verse 1, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Now, he's going to give us three reasons to not fear, not be afraid. For I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. That means I purchased you by my shed blood. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine. So there's three great reasons to not walk in a spirit of fear. I've redeemed you. I've called you by your own first name. And you are mine. I claim you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray in Jesus' name that it just you will anoint it and touch it so that it really winds its way down past our brain, down into our heart. And the knowledge of how personal and caring you are is ingrained in us, branded on our soul that we never doubt it. In Jesus' name, would you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Comfort me today. Renew my mind today. I receive your word as the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God is personal. God is personal. I'm amazed at how so many people think that God created the universe, and then he just stepped off the stage and went off into the universe somewhere, and that he doesn't involve himself in the affairs of people anymore, that he's not 
intimately involved that, that we really don't matter that much to him. He's too busy doing other things. But I want us to see today that God is totally personal, that the Bible presents a totally different God, a God who is personal, who's caring, who is a God up close, a God that involves himself intimately in the affairs of our lives. He, he saw you get up today, come to church. He's watching where you are right now. He knows what you're going through. He's personal. Isaiah said, because he is our personal redeemer, has called us by our own name and claims us as his own, that we don't need to be afraid in this world because God is up close. He's right there. Amen. He is an ever present help in the times of trouble. So I want to talk to you today in a very simple message um, about how God is personal, because I want you to see from the word of God that he's focused on you as an individual. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your pain. He cares about where you're, you're wounded and hurt. He cares about what you're going through right now. He knows your heart is broken if it is. He knows you're looking for answers if you are. God knows about you. He's tuned into you. So let me just show you some ways he's personal. One, he calls us by our name. What an amazing thing. I want you to say with me, God knows my name. You know what? Jesus is not a, hey, you, Savior. Hey, you. You're never going to be a, hey, you, to him. Amen? You ever have somebody say, hey, you. You want to say, hey, my name's not you. Hey, you. But Jesus never says that. Do you know that in heaven you're not going to need a name tag? Because he knows your name. Not only did the prophet Isaiah say, fear not, for I have called you, recognized you by your name, but Jesus said it too. Listen to what Jesus said. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls you before he leads you. He calls you by your name. He doesn't know you as you. He knows you by your name. Dale Carnegie, in his classic book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, said that a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. When you use somebody's name, it shows you see that person as an individual. When you remember their name, it shows your interest in and respect for that person. And so is it any wonder that Jesus Christ knows you, 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 by your name? He knows your name. He calls you by your name. He doesn't just see us as a nameless face in a crowd today. He sees us as an individual, and he calls us by our name. In the first service, I noticed a guy sitting on the second row over here, and I didn't recognize him. I didn't know him. I knew I'd never met him, so I walked up to him, and I said, have I ever met you? And he said, no, Jeff, you haven't. And I said, well, how can you say that? You know my name. And he said, I've been listening to you on radio. I heard you say hello to somebody over there, and I recognize your voice. And I knew you were Jeff. I like him. That spoke to me. And I introduced him to the whole church before I dismissed the congregation because it blessed me that he knew my name. 
Don't you love it when somebody knows your name? Don't you hate it when they get your name wrong? I was talking to a guy who was trying to sell me something once, and he called me my right first name, Jeff. And then he, he was closing in on the deal. And he said, I'll tell you what, Mr. Weirwicky. Now, my name is Wickwire. And he called me Weirwicky. Asked me if he lost the sale. I didn't even have the heart to tell him. I just let it go. But Jesus is this personal. He knows your name. He knows your name, you. He knows your name. Even after his death, burial, and resurrection, remember when Mary Magdalene saw him and thought he was the gardener and walked up to him and said, I'm looking for my Lord, for they have, they have laid him, and I, I know not where they have laid him. And what did Jesus do? He said, Mary. And when he said her name, the scales fell off her eyes and she knew exactly who he was because he knew her Savior knew her name. Jesus knows your name. Bill, John, Cindy, Judy, Becky, Christy, Julie, Jeff. He knows your name. He calls you by your name. He's that personal. He's not some uncaring God out in space. But he knows you. He's focused on you. He cares about you. He's watching over you. Stop and think about this. The wonder of this. That Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world, the only begotten Son of God, who holds the universe together by his very word, is focused on you and me intimately, exquisitely, thoroughly, consummately, totally. He knows you. When he called his people in the past, he called them by name. One day, a senior citizen who thought God had passed him by was herding sheep in the wilderness, and he saw a bush that was burning but was not consumed. It was on fire, but it was not burning down. So it says he stopped, and he looked, and God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. The first thing he said was his name. And when he called him by name, then Moses said, here I am. See, I'm not going to say here I am to hey you. But I'm going to say here I am if you say Jeff, Jeff. He calls us by name. When young Samuel had been given to Eli the priest to minister under him and be mentored by him by his mother Hannah, it says that Eli was asleep one night and Samuel was in the temple and it also laid down and suddenly a voice called and said, Samuel, not hey you, hey boy, but Samuel. And he thought Eli had called him from the other room. So he went in there and said, hey, what do you want? Eli said, I didn't call you. You had a dream. Go back to bed. He went back to bed again, Samuel, Samuel. And he went back and said, hey, I'm not dreaming. I heard my name. He said, go back to bed. Third time, Samuel. And he went back to Eli, and Eli said, uh-oh, it's not me. God's calling you. Go ask him what he wants. And Samuel said to God exactly what Moses did. Here I am. You know my name. You know me. I'm no stranger to God. You know me. Here I am. When Saul was knocked to the ground on his way to persecute more Christians in Damascus. 
The Bible says that as he walked along, suddenly a light shone, a brilliant light brighter than the sun. It knocked him to the ground. And the first thing he heard was somebody calling his name, Saul, Saul, Saul. That got his attention. Whoever is calling me knows me. Saul. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads of conviction. And Saul said, here I am. What do you want me to do? And so God called Moses. God called Samuel. God called Saul. Each time, first word was their name. He knows you by your name. And can I tell you, he's calling you today. He's calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's calling you, some of you, to his son, Jesus Christ. He's calling some of you to serve him, minister for him, step out for him, come to him, spend time with him. Becky, Bill, Sue, I'm calling you by name. I know who you are. And what I like about Saul, Saul didn't even know Jesus when he knew it, called him by name. And I want to say to anybody that didn't know Jesus today, listen, you may not know him, but he knows you. He knows you. And he's calling you by name. When I didn't know him sitting in juvenile detention center at 16 years old for sale of narcotics in terrible trouble with a felony on my head, he called me by my name. He, he spoke directly to my heart, and he saved me, changed me. He knew my name before I knew him. He knows your name before you even know him. He loves you that much. But not only does he know us by name, he knows us intimately. He knows us. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. Now, for some of you, that's not great news. For some of you... You love that because he's your shepherd. Some of us don't like knowing God knows everything about us. See, we've attributed to Santa Claus what's true about God. He knows if you've been bad or good. I mean, we, we, we attributed divinity to Santa Claus, but let me tell you something about God. God fully knows you. When Jesus said, I know my sheep, there is a Greek word for that that means to know by experience, to know firsthand. It's like you, you, you meet somebody and you get to know them and you end up marrying them. You're together 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And you know what I've noticed? Eventually you start talking like each other. You get the same mannerisms. I remember leading my grandparents on my mother's side to, to Jesus. I flew all the way to New York to lead them to Jesus. And they had been together since he was 17 and she was 15. And they were in their 70s. And I felt like I was talking to twins. I mean, he was six foot two. She was like four foot 11, still going to heaven. <clears throat> but but they, they, they moved the same. They talked the same. They had the same inflection, the same mannerisms. When I said, after sharing Christ with them, I said, would you like to pray to receive Jesus? He looked at her and said, what do you think, bug? She said, well, it sounds good to me. And they both looked at me in the same way. They both nodded in the same way. And they prayed with me to receive Jesus in their 70s. But see, that's how he knows you. 
He knows you experientially. He doesn't know you theoretically. He knows you experientially. He, as if he has spent your whole life with you. You know why? Because he has. Here's what's true of God. He knows your strengths and weaknesses. He knows where you stumble. He knows where you're strong. He knows what you can't handle and what you can. He knows how you're wired emotionally. If you're sensitive, if you're hard, if you're tough and gruff, or you can be hurt by a feather. He knows the things you love. He, he, he knows how you handle stress, what problems you're dealing with, how you've been hurt in life, who hurt you, what the situations were. He knows all that. He, he knows what your talents are, your DNA and your genetic code. He knows all of that. All the things that you would come to know about somebody after having spent a lot of time with them, he already knows all that and more about you. I mean, it's a mind blower what the Bible tells us. It tells us that he knew us before we were even born. Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. What? How can you know somebody before they're there? Only God can. Because God knows the end of a thing before its beginning even begins. Before you were even a gleam in your mama's eye, your daddy's eye. God knew you. When you'd be born, where you'd live, how long you'd live, he knows you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, had a plan for you. Before you were even born, I had a plan for you. He knows us right now. Not just he knew before we were born, but right where we are, sitting in our chairs, me standing up here, he knows us thoroughly right now. David said, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know when I'm far away, and you know every thought I think. You know, you know me, you know me. When I'm far away, you know my every thought. Before you think it, he knows you're going to think it. Every moment, you know where I am. You can't hide from God. You can't get away from God. If you think you can run from God, let me tell you, go ahead and run. Run somewhere else in the country. Go to the other side of the world. When you arrive, he's there. You can't escape God. David said, if I even go down into hell, behold, you are there. Your hand is above me, below me, beside me, around me. I can't escape from you. You're everywhere. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. I don't like that one. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. And further still, he knows our future. He knows our future. You know, I say it often, but I'll say it again. God never says, well, I'll be. Because only people who are surprised say, well, I'll be. He's never surprised. Listen to what it says. You scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Every day, today, was recorded 
in his book. Your whole life is laid out before God. The beginning, the middle, the end. He knows when you're coming into the world. He knows when you're going out. It's down to the last microsecond in God's book. Think about the power, the glory, the magnificence, the omnipresence, the omniscience of our God. He knows it all. The God of the Bible is up close, personal God who knows and cares about every aspect of our life. That's why Peter said, go ahead and give all your worries and your cares to God because he cares about you as an individual, you singular, you. He knows your name and he cares about you. He's personal. Are you hurting today? He cares. Has somebody wronged you? He cares. Are you confused about where to go, what to do, the next decision to make? He cares. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it will be given to him. Only let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the waves of the sea that are driven of the wind and tossed. But if you ask God for wisdom, he wants you to have it to guide your steps the steps of a good person, a good man, a good woman, a a saved child of God are ordered by the Lord and he delights in your way. Every step you take, the personal God knows about that step and wants to order the rest of your steps. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Because he's personal. He cares about us today. Are you thankful that he cares about you as a personal individual today? Can we just lift our hands a minute and just say, Jesus, thank you. That your gaze is on me. You love me. And you're personal. In Jesus' name. Give him a hand of praise today. Amen. But, but I, got, I got even a bigger mind blower than, than what I've already shared with you about the power of our God. Can I tell you something that's just going to blow you away? But it's true. He literally formed us in the womb. Are you ready? In Psalms 139, David writes of God's amazing personal touch on us. From the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb, David begins with conception. Now, this is a psalmist and a king, not a doctor. But the Holy Spirit is moving on him to use words that are medicinal. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. But substance is a, is a physiological Hebrew word meaning embryo. Your eyes saw me in embryonic form when I was just conceived. When the formation of my body had not yet begun, God's loving gaze was on me and you. He's there in the sacred womb of mama. And and I'm going to shock you by what the Bible says. We got to understand this. It's why abortion matters. Watch this. God was deeply involved in the ongoing development of you and me in the womb. 
according to the psalmist, for you formed my inward parts. I'm going to say that again. You formed my inward parts. Notice they didn't just form. You form. Evolution didn't form. You form. You covered me in my mother's womb. Formed means made me. Covered, you covered me, means wove or weaved me. The Living Bible puts it this way. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Everybody say personal. You don't get any more personal than that. that that's why, listen, I want you to understand, you are not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not the result of random evolution. You say, Jeff, come on now. Now now your IQ is dropping in my mind because you you don't believe in evolution. There's a reason it's called a theory. It's taught as fact, but it's hardly fact because Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. See, he's telling us here that God had a, an intentional design and purpose for every one of us. God was like a seamstress weaving you or like an artist painting the canvas of who you would become. He shaped us, made us, formed us, molded us in the first, second, third trimester of mama's pregnancy. Some of you look in the mirror and say, thanks, God. Let me tell you something. Don't ever do that because God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. No. Everything is made with a purpose in mind. This watch, I'm wearing a watch. They didn't make this for me just to put it on my wrist and wear it to look good. They made it with a purpose so that I could tell if I'm preaching too long. Right? Uh, he, you, you came here via a car. They didn't make that car to sit in your garage and decorate your garage. They made it to get you from A to B, get you somewhere. God didn't just make you to make you. He made you with a purpose in mind. You are a child, a person of purpose, a purpose. He decided what your talents would be, your gifts would be, your DNA and your genetic code, your emotional wiring, your physique. He did all of that. He wove you, shaped you, molded you up to the time you were born. It says, you, God, were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion, in the seclusion of mama's womb. Wow. He's personal. So if he personally made me, then it makes sense then that I would connect with him and figure out why he made me. And then do what he made me to do. Hello, everybody. Y'all are really quiet. I know you're thinking. But you're thinking, that's not what my culture teaches me about me. Your culture is not telling you the truth about you. No wonder suicide rates among teenagers are at an all-time high. What are they learning in school? You're the result of cold, uncaring, apathetic 
evolution. So there's no meaning, no purpose, no design, no reason, no nothing for you. Just f- figure, figure things out, do what you want to do, and one day you're going to go back to the dust from whence you came, and that's all there is. There's nothing after. If I believed that, I wouldn't want to stick around either. But I want them to know. I wish I could tell every high school in America this. God made you, designed you, fashioned you. There is a plan for you, a purpose for you. There's a reason for you. You are highly blessed and favored in God's eyes. When I I figured out, or not figured out, God showed me, that there, there was a plan for my life, it totally changed me. And that's the, 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 the next thing I want to tell you is that the, the God, God, listen, has a plan for you. If he made you, designed you, knows you, calls you by your name, then clearly he's got a plan, a plan. He's got a plan. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Only a personal God can have plans for you. And he's got a plan for you. He knows your name. You. He's calling you by your name. He has planned, the Bible says, that you as a child of his would help others in Jesus' name. It's God himself. I'm reading the Bible, Ephesians 2. It is God himself who has made us what we are, and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, another version says, before time began, he planned that we should spend our lives helping others. What does that mean? That's what we call good works. Good works don't save you, but good works testify that you have been saved. Because because as soon as you're saved, we ought to be then reaching out to others and helping them in Jesus' name. James said, don't tell me you don't want to be involved in good works because you show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Good works are when you do what Jesus did. He went about everywhere doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And we're supposed to be like him. And that's another plan that he had for you and me that we would be like him. That's why everything that happens to us is used by God to make us like him. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son. Walking like him, talking like him, thinking like him. What did he do? Everywhere he went, he did good. And he touched people who were oppressed, hurting, down and out, needing help. I was, last week, I went to Cotton Patch, which is second only to Cracker Barrel in my little world. And I went into Cotton Patch, and and I was seated. Almost nobody was in there. It It wasn't real super busy. But there were three tables in front of me, booths. It was the booths. They were all had people in them. And I, I, I just ordered four vegetables. I, I just wanted to eat healthy. I ordered four vegetables, and I'm looking in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm thinking, well, how long does it take to cook some green beans? <laughs> so I'm thinking, and now I don't know if you go through this. I'm going to put on Jesus. I'm putting on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. And I notice that 
the people at the table right in front of me got up and stomped out because it was taking so long for everybody to get served. It was taking forever. And, they, and so the waitress, she brings out this tray full of great-looking food and sets it down and looks at me and says, where'd they go? I said, they left. And the look on her face, downcast, disappointed, I knew she needed that tip. It wasn't her fault that they were late. And so the guy on the table beyond the one where they just walked out stood up and said to her, well, I'll tell you why they're gone, because we're all waiting forever, and he chewed her out, and I'm watching her shrink in front of me. So I'm thinking, I got a choice here. What did Jesus do? He went about everywhere doing good. Now, I want us to get that we're supposed to have church here like it's a filling station. But then once we're filled up, we need to go out to the highways and the hedges and be an answer. Bring the answer. Bring Christ. So I thought, what can I do? I mean, she's, she's just beat up, and I could tell life had been hard on her. I could just tell. I could tell she had had all kinds of disappointments. I was just discerning this. So I thought, I called her over. She thought I was going to chew her out. And she looks at me like, yes, sir. And I said, how much was their meal? She said, I don't know. I said, well, go go look, because I saw somebody put, you know, the the ticket down. Tell me. Well, she can't figure this out. So she comes back, says, well, it was going to be this. And I pulled out. I calculated 20%. And I said, here, God's been very good to me. And I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. Here's the, the tip you should have gotten. The look on her face, it was like, am I in a dream? Now, I'm not patting Jeff on the back. I'm nothing. God saved me from the pit of pits. But I am a minister, not just because I'm up here. You're a minister, just like I'm a minister. So just with that, telling her, God's been good to me. I'm giving you this in the name of the Lord. I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. Totally. And so what I did was I undid the depression, the discouragement. I lifted her day. That was just one simple little way. Come on, everybody. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I loved it that when I handed her the money, her manager had walked over and saw me do it because it was really the manager's fault that everything was going so bad and her manager didn't seem to care much. And so I gave her the money right in front of her manager. (laughs) The last plan he's got for you, and I close with this, stand with me and I'll read it while you're standing. God has a plan for you. He has planned that you and I would be with him forever. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You are trusting God, now trust in me. There are many homes up there where my father lives, and I'm going to prepare them for your coming. When everything is ready, then I will come and get you so that you can always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going, and you know how to get there. Jesus' final plan for all of us is we're going to be where he is forever. Amen? Forever. Say with me, he calls me by name. He knows me. 
Amen? He's got a plan for me. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. Can we lift our hands this Thanksgiving week? And let's thank God that he's a personal, caring, up-close God. And he cares about us. If you're hurting today, raise your hand. Just right where you are, just raise your hand. Just wave it if you're hurting today. If you're hurting. You're hurting from loss. You're hurting from disappointment. You're hurting from heartbreak. You're hurting because you made a mistake and you feel like you let God down. Let me tell you something. God forgives. God forgives. And his plan is still intact. Now I want to pray for all of us today. I want to pray that we have a divine encounter this week. That we do what Jesus did and we help somebody oppressed by the enemy. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you've called us by name. You know my name. You know my name. You know me. You made me. You called me. You've got a plan for me, for all of us. And Lord, I pray that this Thanksgiving week, we'll come across somebody who needs the Jesus in us. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord, this week, give me a divine encounter just in regular life where I can reach out and touch somebody in Jesus' name. Now, if you needed this word on God being a personal God and you need his personal touch today, we're going to pray for you as soon as I dismiss this service. I'm going to ask my prayers to come down. Would you prayers come down? We have some people who want to pray with you. And you're carrying a burden. We live in a world of burdens. Burden people who need a touch from God. And today you've got a burden. You need to pray with somebody. Well, here are some people who can pray with you. And I'm believing God to touch your life. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for lifting the burden. Thank you, Lord, for putting peace in the place of pain. Thank you for your healing today. If you need a healing, lift your hand. Let me pray for you. A healing in your body or a healing in your soul. You've got a broken heart or a broken body. I want to pray for you right now. Jesus, you know everyone in this place intimately. And I pray you will touch them right where they stand. Lord, you are not limited by time or space. They don't have to come into an altar to be touched. I pray in Jesus' name, right where they are, touch them personally, really, truly, at the point of their need. Touch them today and heal them. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.